This show is brought to you by BetUS. With football, college, and pro in full swing and the NBA season revving up, you will need a betting partner you can rely on. And for this week and this week only, signing up with BetUS has its perks. Use the promo code 5, that's the word 5, F-I-V-E, and not only do you get a 125% sign-up bonus upon your first deposit, but if you send us a screenshot of that deposit to the 3 Yards Per Carry or 5 Reasons Sports Twitter account, we will send you a Waddle House or Tua t-shirt free. Again, the promo code is 5BetUS.com. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy. I'm Alfredo Artaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. This is another victory Monday. Four in a row. I think that, that qualifies as a winning streak. Is it uh, is it coincidence that all four of these that were four and zero since the uh, since the end of the trade deadline since that passed and there's no more Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson talk? There might be something about that. I'm and just, just and curious. if you listen to some of the players, if you listen to some of the players, it's absolutely about that. Especially Duke Riley, he had some really really good quotes. And by the way, I'm also going to do something that I've never done on the podcast before because I think it's it's kind of like cheating. I'm going to read not, not have any beer. Uh, well, no, you actually, I don't do that during the podcast. Okay. I've done it very rarely during the podcast. I should say, okay. All right. but I am going to read a Philip Lindsay quote. That's just such a money quote. I know that that Simon wasn't completely on board with it, but I think Philip Lindsay is, you know, from here to the ring of honor is, is where, where he's headed. <laughs> he had a decent debut. I, was very happy. I mean, it, it was decent talk, at best. People talking about it. Like we've signed Earl Campbell. It's pathetic. <laughs> It's just like, calm well, that's down. a testament Campbell, to what we already had. Yeah, Wal- I mean, Walter Payton-ish, maybe, you know, I mean, this is like when Chris was like, I can't wait for set. Dita to Chris messaged me the other day to say, I can't wait for Dita to come back. It was like, this is the level. <laughs> <we've got> <laughs> this is where we are. Where we are. We're actually waiting for Michael Dita to come back. I mean, come off it. Yeah, I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, new RB2 going forward. Maybe uh, we're going to talk about it on the show. Absolutely. This show is brought to you by Manscaped. As always, the holidays are almost here. And we talked about this on the last episode. But yeah, you, you know, insert joke here. Five RSN, 20% off your entire order. Simon, pleasantly surprised. This is a beatdown. <clears throat> I didn't expect this. This is a good, <clears throat> this is a decent Carolina team. Save for the quarterback. I guess their quarterback just makes them not good. But there's a decent team. Look at the talent on, outside and uh, especially on their skill their skill players. Their offensive line has some good players too. Their defense is absolutely loaded. Dolphins absolutely destroyed them. Impress? 
Uh, yeah, actually, I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought it was the Dolphins' best performance of the season. Um, I mean, I don't think their offense is up to much muster because you can't run it particularly well with Cam Newton because he's just finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Dolphins helped him along that path of being finished. Uh, they, you know, but he didn't look finished in the previous games, right? No, like- but didn't they mix him in and out with PJ Walker? I mean, the, for the game against Arizona, he came in sort of goal line and stuff and yeah. Walker played and then... Well, he played the whole game against Baltimore, I think. Or yeah. not Baltimore. What, what's, what's Washington. No, Washington, sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he had a really good game, uh, like he 190 and three touchdowns. Yeah, he had a, he had a Alf, decent game in that one. Alf, your bar is low on good games, mate. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Well, 190 that's a, that's a, that's yards. a decent game. He had 190 a yards game. passing, and okay. you mix in another 50 rushing with three touchdowns. No, well, no right. turnovers. That's pretty yeah, good. Three, t- three touchdowns. He did have the fifty rushing. It's I, I think that game was an uh, anomalous in terms of his past season and a half. I mean, I think it was pretty clear in New England last year that he was. I completely agree. He was broken, but um, I, don't, I don't think their offense and obviously losing McCaffrey to the ankle injuries is huge. Yeah. Um, but I thought that the Dolphins handled the defense really well. And I said in the show last week, I thought, you know, it could be one of those games that Tua gets confused. And actually, he, he had his best game, probably. You look at the completion percentage and the throws he made. And um, the line was pretty shocking early on, but actually held up its end of the bargain for much of the game. Um, the run game was okay at times. You know, you, you throw in some, you know, all of the three max contributed, whether that was Ahmed, um Lindsay or um or Gaskin, I think they all they all played well. There were some, you know, I thought the tight ends blocked well. Hunter Long had a couple of really nice blocks. Um, you know, it's nice to actually see him on the field. Um, and Jalen Waddle just continues to to play really really good football. Um, and we've kind of you know I think what did Gasicki have one or two catches yesterday and kind of highlights that you know there's Three, a now a bit or seventeen. <laughs> not okay. very good for my fantasy team. No, but, not uh, for mine either. Especially since I have Gronk on the bench. And he's out there getting what was it, eight for one twenty-five? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, I thought it was well coached. I mean, there, there are issues, obviously. Um, the you know whoever's advising Brian Flores on how to make challenges probably needs to get another job. Um, <laughs> that was David. awful. Yeah, the two tackles are really, really bad. Um, I didn't and think the left guard. Was you what, Chris? I said I'm the left guard. Yeah, I didn't also, think we yeah, had a very challenged game. I didn't and the center very well. uh, let's not forget that the center was almost responsible for two turnovers and was responsible for one of them so the center but was the not defense good yesterday well. yeah the defense played really well um in you know, the front four played well Ogba's you know he, he kind of I, I think they should be re-signing Ogba pretty pretty rapidly you don't want to lose him you know I know he's not you know he's not Miles Garrett in terms of sack numbers but just what he brings is consistent pressures you know, the seventh, I think that's the, the seventh game in a row that he's had a pass defense, which I think is the, you know, goes back for like 20, 20 years or something. That's that's last time that's happened. Jalen Phillips had his breakout game finally. The interior played well. Sealer played well. Wilkins played well. Rekord Davis played well. Um, secondary was excellent. Javon Holland, you know, looks an absolute stud. Um, so, yeah, turnovers, special teams did well, apart from the, I mean, the, the mystery of the Jason Sanders post all pro season is one of life's great. It's like he's lost his kicking boots into the Bermuda Triangle. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, overall, it was um, it was encouraging, and it's kind of what you wanted to see. I thought it was the most difficult game of this stretch, and actually they dominated it. And now, you know, you've got two absolutely massive games now to get back to 7-7, seven and seven, Giants and Jets at home, um, you know, and all of a sudden 7-7, seven and seven, like I said like last week, and then heading to New Orleans on Monday Night Football. 
you know, not with a playoff destiny in our hands, but certainly, you know, right in the mix. That's kind of what you want to be. And um, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. Chris? Some offensively, I thought there were some, some interesting uh, notes, which is one, you know, it just seems like uh, Austin Ryder had probably the worst game, certainly the worst game from a snapping standpoint that I've seen. I'm even going back to USF. I used to watch him all the time. Um, and, and it just, you know, like I said, like Simon was talking about earlier, I texting him and I'm like, well, I can't wait till Michael Dieter comes back and how sad is that? Um, and so I think that, uh, that's, that's one thing. Uh, he had a very challenging day. Uh, Philip Lindsay, I thought he had a decent debut for the dolphins. I think, um, he obviously brings something in terms of mentality, but the thing that I looked for that he brought to the table was, uh, his zone cutback ability. Um, there's a different, there's just a little bit of a different quality to his, to his cutback game than you see in miles Gaskin or, uh, or Savan Ahmed and, um, or, you know, uh, Patrick Laird. And so it gives them probably a few more, a few more plays in the playbook that they can, they can try and go after, um, you know, if they, based on who, who they're playing against. Uh, so that was, that's interesting. Something to look, look uh, at going forward. Um, and then the other thing, Jalen Waddle finally got unhooked a little bit. Um, I think it's remarkable that Jalen Waddle is, you know, they've asked him to become Cooper cup essentially. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he has like, this is Jalen Waddle, not Cooper cup. Right. But, but they asked him to become Cooper cup. And, and that's basically, I mean, if you look at the catch, the, the, the number of catches he's getting, um, the number of times he's getting open, the, the situations, the routes that they're asking him to run, um, they're asking him to, you know, be that sort of Wes Welker, you know, money guy uh, and the slot or the possession guy, I guess, uh, the OJ McDuffie. Um, except he's not those guys. He has the speed of Jalen Waddle, and he he showed it on that 57-yarder where he just started running away from people because he got a little bit of space. And um, and I guess uh, Next Gen Sat said he had uh, he reached a, a speed that was you know top five for the fastest speeds that we've seen you know in the NFL this year. So um, I think that you know it's clear it's a nice reminder that he is still Jalen Waddle but they've asked him to become this thing, this uh, uh, like an OJ McDuffie like player. And he's done that as a rookie. And I think it's remarkable because going forward, what happens if they get an offensive line that allows us to hold the ball for longer than 2.3 seconds, you know, Mm -hmm. like what happens if they get um, either a run game or other offensive weaponry that complement him better. Uh, and give him a little bit more space. This this kid, based on what he's doing this year, and I don't say this lightly, he could have all pro years ahead of him. Um, because if he is if he's this guy in the slot, this possession guy, totally money reliable, can can get you know 120 catches in a season or whatever, you know that kind of guy. If he's that kind of guy, but also he's got Jalen Waddle speed and and playmaking ability, he's got you know glorious years in front of him um the effort sometimes you know i i nitpick at it uh i think that he kind of makes decisions about you know when he's going to be caught and when he's you know when when the play is over essentially and he'll mm-hmm. go out of bounds or go to ground or you know whatever but he's just trying to stay healthy i guess and that's that's didn't have marvin harrison 
No, yeah, right. But um, so I think that uh, I think that that's one another big takeaway on offense. And then the final takeaways, you know, Tua, um, he he went up against a defense whose strength was limiting the big play, and rather than trying to figure out how to make the big play happen um, on this defense that is good at limiting the big play and keeping everything in front of them he killed them by using their strength against them, which is by being more efficient than they could even handle, you know, um, 87% completion uh, and, and just, you know, always just completion after completion, execution after execution and Carolina just couldn't deal with it. Like this is a team, this is a team that limits the big play um, and they did that, but Miami kind of turned it upside down on them and, and said, well, if you're going to limit the big play, then we're going to out execute you um, consistently. And they did it. And I think it wasn't because they had the great, they had great pass protection or anything. It was just, it was just because uh, to a, you know, some quarter many, many quarterbacks can't get 87% completion versus air in practice, you know, <laughs> there, yeah. there are guys, there are guys that can't do that. I mean, and, and you can say, well, but you know, they're all short passes and stuff like that, but yeah, I mean, but I, I don't care what the average depth is, you know, when did our benchmark become a hundred percent completion? You know, that's just, that's just not, not realistic. Um, you know, it, it's not that we should not have the expectation that just every throw, unless it's 20 yards down the field, should be completed. Um, that's not that's not realistic in the NFL. I think that he's had his third game now of eighty percent or better completion. The record is four, um, but he's done it in only six games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, which and is, that record is nineteen fifty, by the way. So. Yeah, I mean, so so I mean, like Drew Brees has the four, has the record, and it's, it's tied by uh, Kirk Cousins at four games of eighty percent or better completion in a season. And, um, and uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, I, I, I forget, um, his name, James, uh, James, something or other, um, is a follower of ours, uh, that came up with that on Twitter. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and he's, he's done it only six games and he's got five to go. So, you know, I think that it's, it's fair. It's fair to think that he might break that, that record or at least tie it, um, and tie it on much fewer games uh and i think that that's what we're seeing if you if you want to talk about anything that we're seeing that's special into a tongue of iloa and i get this question from some people yeah but did you do we really see anything transcendent do we really see anything special i'm like special for an nfl quarterback is about consistency and being able to do it play after play after play and, and game after game after game it's damn near impossible to achieve that sort of consistency and always get the job done um, and what we're seeing from Tua right now is special accuracy, absolutely special. You can use that word. It's fine. You don't have to feel guilty about it. Um, special accuracy from him. And in this game against this defense, that was the ticket. You know, that was, that was the thing they couldn't abide, really. Um, and other games, it won't be the same. Other defenses, it won't be the same. There'll be different defensive strengths and weaknesses. But for this one, it, it it just ended up working beautifully. Yeah, and one uh, my favorite player of the entire game was, of course, that long pass to 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 Waddle, and it wouldn't have been possible if Lindsey didn't get that block on the edge. 
And Marcel Louis Jacques from ESPN, who covers the Dolphins for ESPN, got a money quote from Philip Lindsay. And I've been waiting to hear somebody talk like this on this team. And this is his quote. And I never do this on the show, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that thing where a lot of other podcasters do where they read and they kill time. But Philip Lindsay says this when he was asked about that pass block. He says, that doesn't take talent. All that takes is determination and effort and being of the dog mentality to say, I'm not going to let my quarterback get hit. Honestly, that's all that it's about. In my head, how I process things, and I'm a little crazy, but how I process things is I'm protecting this man, his health, and everything about him. If I sit here and I let him go and I let him get hit, his family is watching this and watching me. My family is watching this, and it's a bad thing. On top of that, this is how I keep food on the table for my family, and I really take that seriously. That's truly who I am, and y'all will get to know me a little bit better, but I am crazy. At the end of the day, ain't nothing going to stop me from feeding my family. Simon is, they have like 8,000 running backs on this team right now. I counted them. They have six that are active and inactive. And Malcolm Brown is coming back, I believe, in a week. Is there anything salvageable going forward? Because I know we've talked about Miles Gaskin, but it's looking to me like it's a, it's a pretty tough competition for RB2 for next season. Because I kind of like all these guys, but I like none of them to be the lead back. What do you make of this of this group? I mean, I don't think anybody expects them to be um, lead running backs. So I think that's why you've kind of got to take your hat off a little bit to the guys that are there currently, because they're all batting well above their average. They're all doing things that they're not expected to do. You know, the, the thing, and I know Chris doesn't like him. And I know his vision is is limited at times. But the thing about Mars Gaskin is he shows up every week. He's never hurt. He never fumbles. He never turns the ball over. You know, we talk about Philip Lindsay and pass protection. There was a couple of couple of moments on Sunday where where Gaskin was one on one with Brian Burns and got in. You know, he's not Ricky Waters when it comes to blocking. You know, in in terms of pass protection, but he did more than enough time to save a sack and Vatua to make completions. Um, same with Ahmed, he, you know, Ahmed's sort of zero to 60 is, is quicker than anybody on the, probably anybody on the team. And so there's the little third down pitch or, or the, I don't know if it was even a fourth down, but the little pitch to Ahmed when he, when he, when Tua sort of snapped it and ran down the line and then pitched it out to him on the kind of option pitch. He's got such great speed. So I think you want those guys back next year because they, they're, they're nice change of paces and that's ultimately what they are. They're undersized, 5'9", 5'10", 195 pounds. They're third down backs, guys that can come in, catch the ball out the backfield, can pick up yards. You know, I think it's, um, you know, it's unfortunate they've been placed in this position by an abject series of, of either free agent signings in Jordan Howard and Malcolm Brown or just summarily failing to select you know, J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift or Najee Harris or whoever you want it to be, really, Javonta Williams. Um, so, yeah, I think, they're, I think they're doing a good job. And I think that you'll see, you know, the best two or three of them kept around next year. You know, if Lindsay kicks on and plays well to, towards the end of the season, who's to say that you don't keep Ahmed, Lindsay and Gaskin? Because you know they can do the, you know, uh, they, you know, they can do a job. You know, they, you know, they can step up in a pinch if if the lead back gets, you know, whether that's a guy they draft and hopefully it is because I just don't see relying on a, a veteran is that, you know, they've been down that route and it hasn't worked. You know, it's a decent draft for running backs. There's a lot of, you know, good quality mid round. You know, you look what the 49ers do every time. You know, every draft, the 49ers, it's Elijah Mitchell this time round. 
you know, which makes it even more confusing that Ahmed was let go by them because you'd, you know, you'd be sort of, you wouldn't be shocked that they turned him into a thousand yard runner because Bobby Turner is such a Hall of Fame, uh, you know, assistant coach, or he will be a Hall of Fame assistant coach when he retires um, for the work that he obviously did with with Mike Shanahan in Denver and now Khan in San Francisco. So, yeah, I think, you know, the best two or three will stick around next season. I don't think you go the vet route and I think you end up drafting. I mean, they need to, surely. Tua is now showing enough that you know that you can build around him. You don't need to, you don't need to waste your picks on a, on a trade for, for the Sean Watson. Now you now you build around him. Now you bring in receivers that can stay healthy. You bring a power running game and you bring an offensive line that can come and knock the snot out of people. And that's not what they have. You know, you need to give him time, you need to give him weapons, and he's got some of them, and you need to give him a running game. And you know, let's see where we go from that point. Uh, Chris, what do you make of this? Uh, it's not a running game yet, but it's they're faking it well enough that it's helping the offense. What do you make of this group and how they're running the football? I think it's actually, I don't know. Um, there's commitment to the ground game. I think that there's difference between, you know, commitment to the ground game and actually having the ground game. Um, it might be serving its function. Just, just that level of commitment to it might be serving its function as far as, you know, what the defense starts to not, not necessarily be afraid of, but what they start to um, aggressively start to, you know, try and try and, um, and hit, after so maybe that's um that's it but in in my perception the way this keeps going is is actually it seems it still seems that the pass is opening up the run um it seems like uh when they get something going from a passing standpoint or they start to they start to get a drive going um that's when you start seeing a few a few successful runs um but overall the run game i mean if we're if we're looking at it um you know they've they 68 yards against the Buffalo Bills, you know, 47 yards against the the Houston Texans, 60 yards against the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, but then the last two games against the Jets and the Panthers um, have been 115 yards and 111 yards, and that's well, you know, that's is that enough to say that they're actually getting it going? I, I don't I don't really think so. I mean, I, that's I'm just I'm just being honest here. Um, you know, the, the Panthers, the Panthers aren't exactly, I mean, they may, they're, they're good at limiting big plays, right. But that, that doesn't mean they're great at stopping the run. I mean, they let, they let like 250 yards rushing up to the Cowboys and you know 200 yards rushing up to the Vikings, 200 yards, almost 200 yards to the Washington football team. Just, just, just last week um, on the ground. So uh, you, I'm not convinced. I do think Philip Lindsay adds one extra dimension which is some outside zone. You know, I'm not sure that I would like to run outside zone with a Savan Ahmed, but I'm not sure that he's really great at it. Like I'm like, he, his speed is really good for it, but I'm not sure that he is, his, you know, vision and cutback abilities were really there. The thing that you saw from, um, from Lindsay and even just a few plays is a little bit different. Um, uh, I guess savvy of execution on, on the zone cutback. So that'll be interesting. I mean, the more tools that you can add into the tool bag, you know, the better. And, uh, and that could be something that you could see um, them exploit against a team that might be soft outside zone, you know, who knows? Um, so, you know, yeah, a little bit extra there in the ground game, but, uh, not convinced at all that, uh, that this is happening and, and not convinced that it's not the pass that's actually opening up the run at times during the game. 
Um, and I guess we'll just have to see. We got the, the Giants coming up and uh, and we'll see what they, they do against them. And then they have the bye week where they might, you know, retool and see, you know, take stock of things and see see what their strategies are going to be going forward. Yeah, the I think it's important that they at least continue this facade, that they continue to try to fake it because I think it just helps the offense. It gives them a look of balance. It makes teams, if not even respect it, but acknowledge it. And I think it just helps Tua. I think it helps with his rhythm. If he's throwing, you know, 46, 50 times a game, you know, I don't I don't think I don't think that's that's particularly helpful. I think a little balance, even even though it's kind of a fake running game because it's not very good. I think it just helps them. And, you know, and if you do pop runs and you get them into third and five, I think Tua is one of the better quarterbacks on third and five in the entire league. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I saw them like three weeks ago and they were top five. But one unit that is not faking it is that defense. That defense has become overwhelming as of late. And now they're getting to the quarterback with four at times without even blitzing. Uh, your thoughts on that unit, Simon? Yeah, I thought the – I said it earlier, I thought they played well. It was a breakout for Jalen Phillips, which he kind of needed. I thought he struggled to get off blocks at times and uh, kind of been hoovering up sort of um, coverage sacks, essentially. But he was excellent yesterday. Um, I like how versatile they get with him in terms of moving around whether he's lining up over the guard, whether he's outside, whether he sort of stands up, whether he lines up inside, whether he rushes out to in. Um, and I think that's really effective use of him. I, I never saw him as the linebacker. They sort of tried to project him to be some guy sort of running around, trying to be, you know, something he isn't, you know, just just let him do what he does best, which is get after quarterbacks. You know, he's really, you know, he's, he's grabbing and ripping and, you know, he's, um, he's swimming through tackles and he, he's got that closing acceleration, which is, um, which is critical. And, you know, he was a, he was a Cam Newton wriggling out of a, of a sack for, for, for a four sack game. Um, so yeah, I thought he played really well and the, the overall unit, you know, you're kind of masking the deficiencies in part because you're playing um, a lot of defensive backs. Um, and it was nice at the end of the game just to see the, you know, no Byron Jones, no Javon Holland, no Xavier Howard, you know, we're playing the young guys, which was nice to see. We're so far up that we could get them, you know, the Igbenogganes and the Davises and, and those guys get them some, some reps. And I like that they kept them. They kept PJ Walker out of the end zone. That was that was that was nice. Absolutely, um, but you know, I, I think it kind of comes back to, you know, you, you look at what you're able to do matching up with the guys on the on the back end in terms of the two corners. But Javon Holland is um, is a superior football player. Um, you know, he is. Uh, you know, you look at how he, and and actually, I thought that. Um, I thought that Daryl Johnson on the commentary explained it really well in terms of DJ Moore essentially sold to 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 um to Javon exactly what um exactly what the play was because he didn't run him up to right under his grill and then make his cut. He kind of, you know, Javon was able to pass him off and read that the ball was going outside and he, you know, he did it perfectly. I, I just think he's a I just think he's an outstanding player. I thought he was a great player at Oregon. Um, despite having sat out the you know, let's not forget he didn't play last year. And he hasn't played safety for for three years. When you when you look, because the, the season before, um, he was essentially for about ninety eight percent of the time playing as a nickel slot corner. Um, so yeah, I think he's um, uh, you know, that's an absolute home run, and, and what it looks like, 
is those first three picks look like they're going to be absolute home run picks, which is kind of, you know, is it a job saver for Chris Greer? I mean, who thought we'd be saying, you know, we talk about Michael D and hoping he'd come back. Now we're talking about, is this a job saver for Chris Greer? Because he's hit three home runs. Um, I'm not sure it is, but I tell you what, it wouldn't surprise me that they do if they did move Greer. I think that these three picks have essentially underlined that they will probably promote from within. I don't think they'll bring somebody out because it's just not Steve Ross's, it's just not his, you know, raison d'etre. It's just not what he does anyway. And unless the Dolphins, I think it, unless the Dolphins collapse from here on out, I think either Greer will survive or, you know, they might move him to another position like they did with Tannenbaum, where he went from GM to some other weird newfangled um, name that they gave him and, and promote from within because I think these three kids will will end up saving, you know, will end up saving your job. And obviously two are playing well as well. Um, you know, it feels like they've kind of whiffed on Noah, whiffed on, on Austin Jackson, but two are obviously saving that 2020 class. And, you, you, you know, you can't really fit it with three studs that they've, that they've taken out of 2021. So, so we shall see, but yeah, it's um the, the unit's playing really well. They're, they're, they're getting lined up properly. They're, schematically I think they're excellent you know there was the one kind of what felt and Chris explained it really well on the um on the only fins if you missed it on the only fins chat that we do um in terms of passing over and there seemed to be some miscommunication between Howard and Jones but um you know you take one mistake and you limit Cam Newton you know who's not that far off being league MVP to was it five completions out of 19 attempts for 92 yards five for 21 there you go so tells the tale really. So and that you know he never got a minute. We were all over him, lots of hits, lots of pressures. You know, balls knocked down. That wasn't just Ogba Phillips got his hand up and knocked it down. Christian Wilkins did. Raekwon Davis, but Davis had a good game inside as well. So yeah, it's um it's an ascending unit, absolutely. Yeah, and one thing uh, that's that's that I noticed, Jalen Phillips. They took him out of that that wide rush role on third down, and I think it was due to performance because he tended he tends to rush as a right end how you would rush in a four three flex where which is what University of Miami plays so you got you kind of run a little bit you kind of you're rushing upfield a little tighter than what they want dolphins want want you to get a little wider and then crash so you want to create some space for your 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 tackles to to run your stunts with the a gap blitzes that you run as well so the guy that they put in that position was absolutely unblockable all day. And we haven't mentioned his name yet on this, on this podcast, but welcome back. Andrew Van Ginkle. He was unblockable yesterday. I don't know if you watched him, but he was all over the place. Like he was flushing quarterbacks. He was getting in the passing lane. He, at one time he actually stopped his, his rush dropped back, got in front of where, where McCaffrey was trying to flare out for an arrow route. And Cam just stared at him like, okay, I can't throw it there. This guy's gonna is standing right in front of McCaffrey, and he's going to pick it off. I thought Van Ginkle was absolutely great. Uh, Chris, your assessment of the, of the defensive performance, and particularly Andrew Van Ginkle, he's back. And back playing yeah. a familiar role. It was very, it was very good to see him back because I think we we talked about it like between between the guys that we talked about, um, you know, Jalen Phillips and Emmanuel Agba, who I think has been, you know, under understated or under, he's not getting enough, um, he's not getting enough airplay as far as uh, recognition for this year for for the year he's having. He really needs to be back. Emmanuel Agba is having a, a he has been a phenomenal player for us since 
they got him and he needs to be back. And he is, he is, you build around him. He is a guy you can build your, your defensive end, your pass rush unit around, I think. And I don't say that. I try not to say that lightly. Um, I think between him and the, the, you know, sort of the, the flashes that Jalen Phillips shows. And I do think it's flashes. I don't think it's consistent yet. Um, I think if you look at it, he had, you know, really good games from pastor standpoint against the Colts, the Texans, and here in this game, obviously against the, um, the, the Carolina Panthers. I think if you look at all three of those teams, they're, tackle challenged too um so that's that's one thing um but he was like you know 23 percent pass rush uh efficiency or um pressure efficiency uh, against those three teams and then like six percent for the other for the other uh nine games you know it's 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 not it, there's an unevenness you know as a rookie which you expect as a rookie um and i think he's starting to get a little bit better late you know, in these last couple of games, it's, um, you know, not trying to set any kind of narratives or anything like that. Uh, it's just, this is, this is what it's been. This is what it's looked like. Um, so I think that, uh, he's, he's got a very promising future though. And hopefully the future is now for the rest of the season. And he, you know, has more of these games like this. Um, so I think between those two defensive ends, you've got it. And then you've got Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer and, and Raquan Davis and, and let's, you know, Vince Butler in there too, uh, or Adam Butler, not Vince. What am I talking about? Um, Riley did what I say as well. Yeah. And, and Duke, while Duke Riley is, uh, you know, he's a linebacker, he's a speed linebacker that, um, that they've added to the mix. But I mean, I think that they, what they needed is an extra, like sort of a fifth rush kind of guy. And Andrew Van Ginkle stepped up to the plate in this game. And I'd like to see that happen a bit more often than just one game. And we haven't called him out all year. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something to, to think about and keep an eye on, but we're, we really have a great defensive line situation, defensive front situation opening up here. And, um, and I think it's helping the secondary. I think that in addition, they have the good, now the, the play Simon mentioned, I, I just thought, you know, the big completion, um, I thought that it looked to me like Byron Jones was supposed to stay as deep as this, the deepest man, sort of a um, sort of a Nick Saban um, coverage, um, but, and that he got a little bit too aggressive with his with his man, like um, off the snap, and and then it left him in not in position to to guard the deepest man who was going vertical, and and that might be why Xavier Howard looked so flat footed, is because he thought he was getting passed off. And, um, and then he didn't get passed off. And so, um, so I think that, uh, I think that luckily that just ended up being one play, you know, that was it. Uh, that was, I thought, I thought this might be, oh no, you know, what if, what if this is a, a really good, uh, way to beat the zero look that Miami keeps doing? Well, it didn't end up being that. So that's good. Um, so going forward, I, I don't see them like, you know, suddenly being afraid of the zero coverages. I just like that the defense is playing like they should have, um, this, this whole year, because when you really looked at it, like, this isn't the first time Javon Holland has looked like a stud as a rookie, you know, this isn't the good, the first time that Jalen Phillips has shown promise as a rookie. Uh, this isn't the first time, the first game that Emmanuel Agba has looked so good that Christian Wilkins has looked so good that Zach Sealer has been making plays that, you know, Adam Butler has, has been doing an okay, a pretty good job. 
uh, Jerome Baker, we know what talent he has. Xavier Howard has been having an Xavier Howard year, really. Um, and Byron Jones is, is very talented as well. And even before Javon Holland got out there, you know, we were talking about how uh, McCourty was actually doing pretty well at free safety, uh, looking pretty good. Eric Rowe is Eric Rowe. All these guys, this defense was built to play this way, and they weren't. And it's still a mystery. You know, it's still a mystery as to why that was not happening uh, in the first half of the year. Uh, but it's good that they're they're actually making good on the talent that they're they're fielding out there because they they do have they do have a very talented defense. This this should not have been this should not have been getting abused by the Atlanta Falcons the way they were. You know, like teams like that. That's not that's not the way they were built. Um, so it's uh, hopefully they'll see it going forward you know they play the giants and the jets and and uh, i don't think those are great offenses um and then the the saints will see you know who they're even fielding at quarterback at that point but i mean if it's <laughs> trevor Simeon, i'm mean, not exactly i wouldn't exactly be um be thrilled about that if i were the the saints fans um and you know it's lucky it's lucky they have sort of a, a decent schedule lined up ahead of them even going back to the Tennessee Titans I mean they just they ran for like a whole lot of yards against New England the Tennessee Titans with and everybody's going to be like you know oh you know De Ryan Tannehill ain't shit without Derrick Henry well no it wasn't that because they ran for a buttload of yards it's more like without AJ Brown Ryan Tannehill ain't shit. they ran for 270 yards against yeah, the Patriots I mean, just phenomenal day on the ground but it didn't matter yeah and, you know what the uh, difference was right Tannehill throwing interceptions in the end zone and fumbling after 60 yard runs <laughs> yeah <laughs> so well, I mean it's just it's just but it's a testament that that offense is that offense on Tennessee is coming unglued Mm. Um, and, and I don't know that it's necessarily because of Derrick Henry, but it, you know, it's, it's something. And, and so the defensive stretch that you're looking at is the giants, the jets, the saints, the Titans, those are the next four games, all four of those offenses are floundering. And, um, and so, and, and yet our defense is playing their best ball, mm. you know? And, and so I think that, um, I think you look at that and, and, that's a really good uh, and then it makes for possibly a a real showdown a week 18 showdown 17th game of the year against the new england patriots at home um you know what's going to happen there what you know because obviously they have they have ramped up their game and they're doing well and they're doing well offensively uh and and that'll be that'll be for all the it could be for all the marbles at that point um for the the final game of the year and that's that's well it, it feel good to not be irrelevant in week 18 if if that's the case yeah i've got uh two bits of breaking sports news <clears throat> number, number one Rhett lashley is now the head coach of smu so mm -hmm. he's left the university of miami which the domino for manny diaz falls but the second piece of news is draft related spencer rattler has entered the transfer portal Hmm. So that means he's not coming out. I mean, why would he? Because his year's been terrible. No, he, he can't. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. That's it. He could not, he could not come out. Right? No way. No I'd way. I'd get drafted over him. <laughs> no, he's been terrible. All right. That's it. There is no more. The next time we talk to you, we will be talking about five in a row and the New York Giants. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit score safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.